I am Diane Keppel, CEO of Portfolio Plus, and welcome to the first in a series of podcasts where we will be focusing on walking financial institutions, fintechs, and startups through the journey of open banking on a cloud platform. As security is top of mind, in today's episode, we will be focusing our discussion on making the cloud journey secure. We are excited today to have Ian Patterson, CEO of Secura, with us. Secure provides top-tier security services, which helps organizations understand their cybersecurity exposure and then help them become more educated on the cybersecurity solutions available to them. Also joining us today is Michael Swan, Vice President of Research and Development here at Portfolio Plus. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. So to kick things off, Ian, while I've provided a brief overview of your company, I think it'd be great if we could hear a little bit more about you and your background in the financial services industry. Could you could you share a little bit more? Sure. Uh, thanks. Uh, and thank you for having me on this uh, first podcast. It's a tremendous pleasure and honor. Um, and we're setting the bar low. So your next guest, you know, just it's going to look that much better. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I've been doing this uh, cybersecurity thing for um, nearly 20 years now. Um, I started out in uh, banking, um, working at TD. Um, my background is in systems engineering. Um, so I used to help build and deploy a lot of the core applications that were used either internally for bank functions or externally customer facing um, everything from anti-fraud systems to uh, parts of the trading platforms, things like that. Um, so I did that for a number of years at the bank and then pivoted over into um, a dedicated security role working in security operations. Um, my knowledge of the banking systems and how they all kind of interfaced and how the networks interoperated uh, was, uh, you know, an advantage that I had over um, people coming into the organization in, in a security role, having never kind of experienced it before. Um, so I did that um, for eight or nine years um, and then pivoted over to uh, healthcare. Um, which was a, a real eye-opener when you're used to banking. You're used to having every tool at your access, sometimes multiple copies of it. Um, and then healthcare is kind of the opposite, uh, where you have no tools but still have uh, needs for very high level of security. Um, and then moved into government. Uh, I was the director of security operations for an organization called eHealth. So I was responsible for the health records of about 13 million people in Ontario. Um, and then I uh, joined Secura, and that was six years ago. Um, and so I've been building this practice out to, um, as you said, offer a high level of security um, consultancy to customers in multiple different verticals, but banking is certainly, and fintech is certainly one of our focuses. Um, our focus really is around very technical security assessment, helping people identify where there are bugs and vulnerabilities, logic flaws, um, areas that could be abused by an attacker um, in applications or in uh, infrastructure, particularly as we move more towards cloud-centric infrastructures. Um, we're helping people basically identify those uh, vulnerabilities and make sure they remediate them in a very pragmatic way. Great. Sounds interesting and very exciting. 
So to um, kick things off, Mike, we know that security is top of mind for everyone. You've been working with Ian to ensure our platform at Portfolio Plus is secure and cloud ready. So how would you describe our journey so far? Well, we've been on a, on a fantastic journey of, of looking to address open banking and really open up our system to play within an open banking ecosystem. But when you're playing in an ecosystem, you've certainly run into situations of that change the entire security um, regime and paradigm that we need to address. And so we were, uh, we've been working together with Ian's company for three years now, specifically around securing our API set and, and open banking as we move further into that. But now we're looking at, at also migrating from being a software provider to end customer to actually being a full cloud enabled, cloud native delivery system and operating it on behalf of our customers, which again, changes the entire security uh, implications and regime as we move from being a pure software supplier to being a full data operator uh, within a cloud environment. And so we've been on that journey for the better part of three years now, and we're vastly uh, moving very quickly and expect to be fully cloud enabled by the end of this year and be held out in the marketplace. So Ian, when you think about something like that, what are, what are some of the things we need to be thinking about in that type of environment? Yeah, um, the transition and journey to the cloud is something that a lot of organizations are going through. Um, it's a really interesting time in, in, I guess, in security and computing and architecture and infrastructure and, and, and everything. Um, a lot of organizations um, started out in traditional infrastructure, much like yourself. You guys were developing software to be deployed on premise, um, run on you know, big infrastructure within organizations. And then cloud comes along. Um, a lot of the mainframe people out there will say we did that first, but um, <laughs> the whole shared compute resource, but um, cloud came along and, and commoditized that ability to um, put workloads in different places um, and, and, and fit uh, the resource demand in, in a flexible, in a flexible manner um, and really changed the way that people looked at, you know, do I need to have a giant data center or multiple data centers for redundancy? Um, do I need all my workloads running in there? Um, and, and the answer, in banking is I probably need both. Um, a lot of organizations, a lot of software as a service organizations, um, especially ones that are newer, um, will never have their own data center um, just because they can depend on this public cloud service to operationalize their entire business. Um, and, and that's really neat. And you couldn't have done that kind of 10 years ago, right? You could have tried co-location and stuff like that, but you still own servers and stuff like that. They, it's, it's very different these days. Um, what we need to think about when we migrate towards that, though, is obviously um, the data that we are entrusting into this uh, public infrastructure. How are we moving that data in there? How are we securing that data that's in there? Um, and as we've got so much flexibility now to allow other participants in the ecosystem, it was the word that was used earlier, as we've got so many participants, how are we sharing the data with them or giving them access to the data for them to transform it or to um, you know, compute against it and, and, and draw information out of that data? 
Um, how are we securing that, um, those transactions? How are we securing the data when we put it into the cloud? And how are we securing the cloud itself? Um, and something that we always say to customers um, as they go through this journey is the cloud is going to be very safe from you. The cloud will always be secure in in, in of itself. Um, but what you put into the cloud is not necessarily secure because you're using it as an underlying infrastructure to deliver a service um, and to deliver access to data or you know whatever you're going to do um, computationally. Um, but you have the um, the responsibility and the and, and the liability to ensure that what you build and deliver on the cloud is secure. And I think a lot of people think that inherently, just because you put something in Amazon or in Google Compute, that it comes with a bunch of protections. Um, and there are certain security plugins and functions and features you can enable and buy, and and, and that's very cool. You know, security's become a marketplace too. Um, but your underlying application still needs to be secure and the way that you manage data needs to be done in a secure and sane fashion. Otherwise you have a ton of risk. And I think people understand that risk maybe even less than they did when it was with traditional infrastructure. This really opens up a lot of different um, areas you need to look at. How can we defend against this when, if we're hearing it correctly, there really is no perimeter around what we need to do. Like it's it's a vast, vast area that we need to try and secure, not just from our point of view, but also for the partners that we work with. Yeah, uh, you used a great word there, perimeter. Um, that's how we used to think about security, right? Everything was inside our organization or inside our data center. And, you know, the, the whole concept was we are going to have a defense in depth strategy and we're going to build an iron ring around, um, you know, the, 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 the infrastructure that we own. And then we only allow certain parties to transact with us. Um, conceptually, it's still kind of the same, but it's, it's no longer, you know, your corporate office. I mean, Nobody works in their corporate office anymore today. Um, so uh, the, the 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 perimeter now lives at the endpoint. Um, so where you're doing your day-to-day business, um, it lives at the edge. If you are computing workloads um, kind of at the edge of the network for the purposes of speeding up transactions or for... Um, you know, to, to, to make transactions more lightweight. Um, and that's really interesting. That's, that's kind of an, an evolving space. Um, and, and certainly that, that, that cloud infrastructure that people are putting a lot of their workloads into is now part of your perimeter. Um, the question people need to think about is, um, if I've built a security program and it's based on a set of policies and standards and controls, how am I extending that security program into that cloud computing space? Um, do I have the same level of visibility? Am I monitoring it the same way? Um, and all of that is thankfully quite doable um, because, as I mentioned, there is kind of a marketplace for a lot of uh, interesting services and solutions that can be uh, leveraged in the cloud. So you can get a virtual firewall of some brand and in, 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 in put that in front of your application or a virtual WAF and you can get, um, uh, you know, centralized logging and stuff like that and feed it into your SIM. So all of that is possible uh, with the cloud, um, but people need to change the way that they're thinking about their security program so that it is an extension into that cloud space. Um, that's uh, the dynamic shift, I think, that a lot of people are trying to catch up to. 
I think you hit on an interesting concept there, Ian, and maybe we should delve a little bit further into that. You talked about the marketplace, and we're talking about opening up and being within an ecosystem. And the, you mentioned about the, inherently the cloud is safe against the secure for us, right? But then it's what's happening within that cloud and within the opening up of marketplaces and being able to integrate new services and understanding um, who you're talking to and where that service actually sits within the regulations and the security policies. And did you inadvertently start trading data with somebody that isn't within the policies and procedures that you're looking for? What sort of due diligence do you think we need to start doing on partners? Yeah, you you just hit on, I think, probably the biggest challenge I would point out um, in this new economy, this new dynamic. Um, as I said kind of early, we now have endless flexibility almost in terms of uh, architecture and how we enable things and how we connect things. Um, your guys' journey has certainly been building out these extensive set of APIs um, in order to service all the different functions and needs of many different types of customers uh, in the banking space, uh, both traditional banking and this new open banking dynamic. Um, and, and that API outlook is really what most organizations in the world are doing. So we're going to trust each other to transact through those APIs and we're going to allow ourselves to send and, and receive data through them and, and you know whatever other functionality we want to enable. Um, and, and by doing that, we are um, protecting ourselves in some ways because we are limiting exposure. Um, your question, though, is how do we know who we can trust? How do we know that the partner that we're transacting with um, has done a level of due diligence? Um, currently, the best way is to ask them <laughs> um, and, and not just say, hey, do you guys have a security program in place? It's, it's more detailed and pointed things like, can you explain what your security program looks like? How are you um, ensuring that you have done due diligence um, such that if I am to share data with you, if we were to transact together, if you have some sort of security program, what's my exposure? What's my secondary risk that I become exposed to by partnering with you? Um, and so the, you know, uh, this is one of the places that the security industry has not solved for incredibly well yet. Um, we do rely a lot on um, security questionnaires uh, that we will send out to partners, um, uh, you know, if we intend to transact with them in some sort of way, if we're going to entrust them as a custodian of data on our behalf or vice versa, we're going to become a custodian of their data. Um, you know, show me what your security policy is. Show me the last time you had a penetration test conducted. Show me that you do vulnerability scanning on the regular. Um, give me some proof that your standards have been implemented. Um, and that's currently the, the norm. Um, and then there are some kind of tool centric methods that you can get into where you can evaluate somebody's security posture externally. Um, but should you, uh, as, as, as a potential partner, go and invest in that? Maybe not. I think really it comes down to whoever you're going to partner with being able to show that due diligence and that they have done um, a certain level of testing of their own security controls and processes. That's probably the best way to validate that, that I can recommend today. 
So Ian and Mike, we've been talking about this as a journey. I've heard, we've used the name here today. I've heard it used in other circles as well too. It, you know, it's the journey to the cloud. How appropriate do you think the word journey is when we're talking about this? Mike, I'll let you go first. Oh, it's, it's, it's an incredibly important word because it's never quite done. It's constantly evolving. And as new, whereas some of the underlying concepts may not change, the methods and the ability to deliver services are changing constantly within that. So when you think about our software, where we're going from uh, a real transformation from what we had from on-prem software to offer to cloud native, uh, how we bring those services forward. And then once we get there, where can we evolve into new services for the betterment of our, of our customers? And with that ability to operate again, as, as regulation allows within the open banking world. So it is that constant journey. And then with those new requirements and experimentation and sort of transformation we do comes in the, and how is our security journey um, really evolving within that? And that's why it's kind of very exciting to be working with Ian, uh, because we've certainly uh, learned a lot from uh, working with this company. And the first time we went through our API um validation testing and we're about to start another one in the next couple of weeks i'm very excited about uh, but it is it's we're always moving forward and we're we're taking a, a great and wonderful trip i i, I think mike uh, really said something that that resonates with me there we are always moving forward on this journey we're looking forward to the new ways that we enable business, that we can uh, engage with a wider audience. And if, we, if we talk about open banking, it's, it's the entire world. Um, and I think that's the exciting thing about open banking is we're looking to engage with people who probably don't have access, uh, not necessarily as, as, as our sole focus, but we're going to we're going to enable banking for people who don't have access to traditional banking or don't consider traditional banking as the way that they would want to or prefer to transact. So, um, you know, the, 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 the possibilities there are, are essentially endless uh, as we continue to evolve um, the delivery capabilities and, and, and what technology will allow us to, to extend out to the public that we're going to do business with and our partners that we're going to do business with. Um, and the marketplace approach is going to speed that up. So open banking is, is such an exciting and, and kind of green field um, that, that we're going to experience. From a security lens, we are always looking forward. We also look back at the way that we built things and the way that we've delivered things. And we learn from where we did find uh, problems before. And we make sure that as we design things for this new cloud-enabled cloud-centric uh, future, um, that we are incorporating a lot of those good decisions and learnings that we made previously into the future build. Um, and, and like I said, through uh, a marketplace approach and through um, certainly uh, a lot of changes in technology, we have been able to uh, introduce a lot of those previous learnings into this, this, this cloud-centric future, which is great. Um, and in, 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 in general terms, though, when we talk about security and the journey, um, we always say security is a journey with no destination because as we continue to build and enable different types of uh, technology that you know extend our approach to business and things like that, uh, the way that we look at it is the threat landscape grows and grows and grows. 
um, and the different um, threat vectors um, and the actors that we are up against will evolve and change over time. So um, that's uh, why our company kind of does, you know, why we do what we do um, is because we want to help people understand, like, at this point in time, where do you stand? What is your true position um, relative to the threats that we know are out there? Um, and how can you make yourself more resilient um, so that you can be uh, secure in this changing dynamic? And then, you know, we re-engage and we work with you at different points in time as you get further down your journey, we kind of come along and, and help keep you uh, on the straight and narrow um, and, and avoid the worst um, of those evolving threats uh, that, that, that are out there as, as the, the environment changes. Um, and I think there's tons of examples of that um, that you could look at in, uh, in, in, in the press and big stories lately. And, and you know, um, the, the, the whole ransomware thing has, has, has obviously exploded in recent years and it's a major threat factor again, you know, against most organizations. Um, it's not necessarily going to impact open banking. It's going to impact the organizations that are enabling open banking. That's one example. Um, I think in the open banking space, what we're going to have to be hyper vigilant about is certainly, um, the proliferation of automated attacks against the uh, services that are being offered. Um, I shared with you guys the other day um, some information about uh, the uh, the velocity of, of botnet type attacks against some of these uh, open banking platforms and services. Um, and so there's a lot of threat actors out there who are building their own automation to try and disrupt these services or to try and commit fraud against these services or sometimes just observe these service, uh, services for purposes that we don't even necessarily understand yet, but probably would lead to fraudulent attempts against customers down the road. You know, they're they're scraping these websites that that are being built up so that they can create a fake one and try and get a user to log into it so they can gain access to accounts and things like that. So um, that's an example of how the um, you know the threat vectors are changing and evolving constantly. Um, and, and the journey from a security standpoint is trying to stay ahead of that. Interesting. You, you're, you've talked about looking forward and looking backwards and always, always constantly taking stock essentially of where we are and where we need to be. Your focus has been primarily in the healthcare industry, but we're talking today about open banking and the financial services industry. Do you see any similarities between the two different industries? Um, yeah, there, there's, there's been a huge boom in healthcare around telehealth, telemedicine in recent years. Um, particularly COVID has helped accelerate that. Um, healthcare is now being delivered in the community. Um, and that has been enabled through technology. Um, Sykura is now owned by a, a Canadian health tech company actually called Well Health Technologies who um, have a very similar model to what Portfolio Plus is building, which is um, a marketplace for health tech applications. So um, they've got this apps.health approach, which is allowing um, different health tech companies to come and offer that as a marketplace to all the different clinics um, that uh, Well owns and does business with and all the different partners that Well has. So um, I see certain similarities in how um, the evolution of these technologies is starting to allow 
um, for different delivery of service and a service that we normally think of as I'm sick, I have to go to my doctor's office or I need to go to the hospital. Um, the reality is that a lot of care can be offered in the community or at home, be it consultation, um, you know, uh, mental health. There's been a, a lot of great, um, uh, services and, and, and vendors that have, have come up in that space over uh, recent years who are doing at-home counseling sessions where um, through a platform, you can be connected to um, a, a wellness counselor and, and you know, do a therapy session from the comfort of your home, which is actually going to open it up to um, very similar to how open banking is, is opening things up to new customers. Uh, it's going to open it up to people who maybe weren't comfortable going to a physician's office to, you know, to seek uh, mental health care or um, perhaps couldn't afford to, uh, to, to work with a, a mental health partner, um, you know, based on geography or something like that. Um, we now have global access then to, to these kinds of services. Open banking is going to do the same things. Um, obviously, we're going to have to think about the regulatory and compliance side of these things. Um, but we are going to create a, 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 a much more interconnected global economy through open banking. And that's very exciting. I think to, to add on that to a little bit, which is really important about the similarity to the industries. And I think it's very important as we look to our evolutionary journey of what's already been seen in other industries. Or where can we learn from other industries? But the underlying tenet for both healthcare and banking is privacy and security. Yeah. And those are journeys that we both sort of jointly go on and learning those, what are you seeing in, in the healthcare industry and how does that apply to the banking industry and how to, uh, and vice versa, because they're all very, very similar into how private is the data, how secure is that data and what's the security regime around it. So that's where I really see the, uh, the synergy of learning from each other. So maybe one last question for today. What types of due diligence should anybody coming in onto the cloud consider or go through from a, um, a security point of view, Ian? What would you recommend? Sure. Um, going back to kind of how we started the conversation, um, don't assume that the cloud protects you from anything. Um, treat it like a utility um, where, you know, you're going to have guaranteed connectivity and uptime and, and things like that. Um within reasonable certainty um, and and then treat anything that you put onto the cloud as basically something that's constantly going to be under scrutiny and 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 potentially attack so you need to think about um, any data that you're putting in there how am I storing it how am I making sure it's safe um, you know the practical things like encrypting data that's at rest um, where you can do that. Um, designing your applications in such a way so that that's feasible. Um, when you're putting something in the cloud, it's it's inherently only as secure as how you design the system and the controls that you put around the system and your ability to monitor those controls and the effectiveness of those controls. And that will constantly change as new threat vectors evolve. Um, so you have to stay on top of that. Um, so bare minimum, for sure, scrutinize the provider that you're putting your data in. Uh, working with one of the big vendors like an IBM, a Google, uh, a Microsoft Azure, uh, an AWS, 
that's going to be a good place to start. There are more boutique vendors out there. Some of them are just building on top of those existing infrastructures. Some have their own private clouds. Um, think about and figure out the the right vendor for you. Um, what I will say that here in Canada, because we have very strong privacy laws, there are some great boutique uh, private cloud providers as well too, um, if you have concerns around data residency. And so in the healthcare space, um, that's actually uh, become a fairly burgeoning thing too. Um, so scrutinize where you're going to store the data. And then um, going back to our, what we said about due diligence, uh, any applications that you're designing and putting out there, um, it would behoove you to, to get a third party assessment by a, a good qualified vendor to come in and look at something objectively and help you understand where uh, where the gaps exist in the business logic and uh, and what technical vulnerabilities exist in there. So you can get it um, up to standard before you put it out in the cloud and it's it's exposed to you know exposed exposed to all the threat vectors and threat and threat actors out there. Um, those are the bare minimums uh, and I would certainly be thinking about any sort of regulatory and compliance uh, type of obligations that I have to depending on the type of data that I'm, I'm I'm putting out there and how do I meet those minimum requirements. Great. So, um, Mike, what are you going to take away from today's discussion with Ian on best advice or practices we want to take on our Portfolio Plus journey to the cloud? Well, I think the best advice is, is to really be understanding very clearly who you're talking to and what you're getting for that service and how those services put together. And, and looking at it as, as we go into an ecosystem, it's one thing to play in the ecosystem with our APIs. The other one is to live in the ecosystem, which is what we now need to do as well. Well, not just with our product, but as a company and making sure that we've done our diligence around that. And security is a journey as well within that. So we'll do our diligence and then we'll do our diligence again. And then we'll do our diligence again. And we'll continually do our diligence to make sure that we're hitting the regulatory, the, the residency, the regulatory, the compliance pieces, and hoping we'll have a nice long relationship with Ian to make sure that happens. Great. Um, so Ian, your artwork behind you has caught my eye today. Is there a story behind that that you'd be willing to share today? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, it is a... Um, oil on canvas painting um, from Hong Kong. Um, it's very special to me um, because uh, my uh, younger brother and he and I are pretty inseparable. Um, he went uh, overseas to teach for uh, about a year and a half uh, in Korea. And he was fortunate enough to tour around Asia um, when he did so. And uh, this was uh, something he actually brought home for me um, when I finally got to see him after having not seen him for an extended period of time. So um, certainly it was really special to me and I wanted to have it framed and uh, it uh, sits in the background on every, every one of these Zoom calls I'm on or, you know, uh, every day. So uh, yeah, I, I really love it. So. Well, it's a beautiful piece and having um talented artists in my family, I can, I, I can appreciate why you framed it and kept it there. It's lovely. So gentlemen, I really appreciate the time we've spent together today, both Ian and Mike. Ian, we've certainly learned a lot. It's uh, been a pleasure as always. Um, so thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. So thank you everyone for listening to our conversation with Ian Patterson. For more information, please visit our website at www.portfolioplus.com slash podcast. 
If you have any feedback, you can reach us or follow us on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Portfolio Plus 19. You can subscribe to our podcast series wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also add yourself to our mailing list and we'll notify you when our next podcast is available. So until next time, all the best, everyone, and thank you.